next scary movie. Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. What comes to mind? Welcome to the Jumping Scared Podcast. My name's Alex, and I'm joined, as always, by my twin brother, Eric. We are here to bring you guys another recent reviews, recommendations, and ratings on two 2019 horror movies. Eric, take us away. How are you feeling? Where are you at right now? I'm feeling good. Where I'm at is in a place of pure and utter bliss. Stranger Things 3 has come out in the last last week. I have watched it in one day, as I am prone to do, so... Uh, I am just feeling complete as a person. Can't, yeah, can't really lie. Would you say that without going into spoilers and making this a Stranger Things podcast, would this was this kind of the most horrific of the three seasons? I think it, I think it's for sure flirting with, and I, I would say just outright it was the most horror esque season of Stranger Things. Horror esque, yes, but I think I, I think just because we didn't know enough. In season one, mm. the mystery kind of played up the horrificness of season one. Um, but yeah, I could definitely see how some people would say that it's very a lot of visceral, uh, horrific scenes, just like from a viewing standpoint. So I could, I could, I could be swayed into that argument for sure. Yeah, and again, this isn't uh, going to be an episode about Stranger Things, and we're not, we're for sure going to avoid spoilers because <laughs> you'd have no chance of knowing there's spoilers here. But if you haven't watched it yet get going i mean we we were binging it eric i think finished it on day one i I finished it over the weekend so uh get going on stranger things it's a a very fun show and an enjoyable watch okay but getting back to the topic on hand recent ratings reviews and recommendations to 2019 movies and we're going to start off with one of the most anticipated movies of the year for me it's for sure top three i'd say uh this one it chapter two and us were probably the most hyped and this is going to be 2019's midsummer by director ari oster eric you want to take over we've kind of talked about him on the pod before but just refresher if people haven't heard before yeah just as a quick little uh, summary on why this was kind of hyped up uh 2018 saw his his kind of uh rise to stardom with his director uh, not debut he's got some small credits to his name but this is his was his most successful film at the time in Hereditary. And uh, immediately after Hereditary came out, he announced he was doing this film. Like, I think, like, as it debuted, he's like, yeah, I got something in the back burner. And so people just instantly got excited. He had a, You could tell from Hereditary that he's got a pretty unique style uh, that comes across pretty strongly in his films, especially when it comes to cinematography. He likes to let the cinematography tell a large portion of the story. And... Um, it's just a he he showed with hereditary that he's somebody you kind of have to check out his new work for for sure yeah i definitely agree and so um as we're talking about ari oster i also want to mention just a24 the studio who brought us this movie um they, they immediately formed a strong kind of bond with him but he's actually kind of gone his own way but i just want to shout out a24 if you're not away not aware both a24 and blumhouse productions are just really killing the game for the horror industry right now they're funding and uh, financing or helping produce a ton of amazing horror movies. So just alone, A24 has brought us The Witch, It Comes at Night, uh, Hole in the Ground, which we talked about on the pod, Green Room, Hereditary, and even 2014's Tusk. I had no idea until I was looking at it. You know, Justin Long, really weird wall, uh, Justin wall, Justin Long, uh, Kevin Smith, really weird walrus movie. But they have been just uh, really integral into the development of horror into uh 
from kind of the mid two thousands mid two thousand teens on, and it's uh it's been a joy to be able to kind of experience a lot of their movies. Yeah, I think it's very important actually for us to uh, show support for those two uh, media conglomerates. I feel like Blumhouse, especially in the horror sphere, sometimes leaves a bad taste in people's mouth just because of its association with some of those paranormal type films that lend or uh, kind of rely heavily on the uh, jump scares. But uh, Blumhouse and then even like James Wan is kind of lumped into that same uh, bad taste. But I think anybody who's providing content, uh, either original or sequels or anything, it's onto the new horror uh, absolute tear we've been on. You got to at least recognize as being fruitful if not uh, at the least and uh downright good at the, at the highest okay and i think what's with all that said i think what's this move into midsummer and eric so normally we try to do a very brief spoiler free kind of discussion and then rating or recommendation this movie i think it's going to be a bit hard for but I, I still think we should honor that and just talk about a little bit spoiler free say like what we kind of think like oh if you should go to theaters and see this uh, does that sound good let's go okay so and I almost don't want to read the synopsis from IMDb because... So I'm one who doesn't like trailers. If you haven't seen a trailer, you probably don't even really know what this is about. But if you've seen the trailer, you would get this. So I'll just read the synopsis from IMDb, I guess. So, a couple travels to Sweden to visit a rural hometown's fabled midsummer festival. What begins as an idyllic retreat quickly devolves into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition, the hands of a pagan cult. So, kind of right off the bat, you just get a... I mean, that just really sets the scene. You're, you're traveling to Sweden. There's this weird kind of cult-pagan re- relationship. And, uh, I mean, that's more more than you really need to know. Because this, this is a movie that just really thrives on... To me, it was the, the visuals and the setting that were so unsettling. And, and Ari Oster is just masterful at sowing discontent. Like, even with simple things, just making you, the viewer, feel, un- feel uncomfortable. Um, we've, we talked about a bit the way he uses cinematography. There's a sequence where um, you're kind of thrust into a first-person view, and he, he slowly kind of flips it upside down from a normal perspective, but then, like, you're kind of almost, like, wanting to turn your head upside down because you're getting dizzy. Like, he just plays with the camera a lot in different ways like that, and it's, it's really interesting, and um, he does it a lot more in the future, but I think we can leave that to the to spoiler discussion. So, And one thing I like about just the basic idea of this movie is it takes... Uh, basically an entire American, a group of friends to a remote village in Sweden. So I feel like we get to play with the idea of like, it's kind of like the social, current social uh, um, talking point of what's like a cultural oddity versus what's unacceptable to be between cultures. Because obviously there's going to be differences. Some things are like, okay, that seems pretty weird, but yeah, it, it makes you question where the line is between what's just culturally different or what's really actually different and we need to be worried. Yeah, that's actually a great point because if you put yourself in the shoes of our main characters, these Americans traveling abroad for this really traditional festival, it's like, well, you don't want to question it and seem like this like really you know kind of like jerk outsider who's like, oh, what are you doing? It's like, well, we've always done this. You know, you want to be accepting of these kind of new things. So it is, and I personally experience this where you're experiencing a new culture and you're kind of like not sure what's what the kind of standard is or what the normal behavior is so i think it's a really interesting kind of perspective to put into a a, for an american to be traveling abroad a new language a new culture it's it's something that is uh intimidating it's something that can be 
I don't know, kind of lend itself into you finding yourself in situations you normally wouldn't be in. So that's a kind of fun dynamic, too. And as we mentioned, this American group of friends, interestingly enough, only one of them was truly played by an American. Uh, Everybody else, there was one from uh, England, one from Scotland, one from Ireland, and then obviously one from Sweden. Uh, I believe the only American was, uh, do you remember who it was in the main cast? Oh, shoot. Actually, I'm not. Was it Will Poulter? No, he's British. Um, Jack Rayner, who plays Christian, he was born in the United States, but he's Irish. Mm-hmm. It might be, is it? It might be. I'm forgetting his name now, but Josh. Josh. Yeah, it might be Josh. Okay. okay. Yeah, and so we didn't say that. So this is also starring Florence Pugh as Danny and Jack Rayner as Christian, who are kind of main couple, and then they have some friends associated with them. Also, I'm going to give a shout out to Wilhelm Blomgren as Pele. He is actually a Swedish actor, and I really liked his performance, or at least I really liked his character, because this is going to be a movie I'm going to have a good time re-watching, just mm-hmm. to uh, kind of pay attention to more of the group dynamics. And, and... Yeah, because he is kind of, I mean, well, he's, he's very much the lifeline between the group and the yes the uh, established uh, settlement that we uh, everybody else has been there their whole lives. He is their link, because he is seen as a pretty normal, I mean, he befriends these Americans in America, he's seen as a normal guy. And so it's like he's the bridge that these Americans can kind of uh, feel their way through these uh, different um, cultural events that they're taking part in and see like, hey, what what are we supposed to do? Can you kind of help us out here? And then uh, eventually that bridge kind of closes up pretty quick and they're fully thrust into this new culture. Okay, I agree with that. Um, And so without saying too much more, because there's a lot more I'd like to talk about, but it's really hard to define the line between spoilers and spoiler free. So at this point, I almost just like to kind of bridge into a discussion of what we would rate or what we would recommend this movie. And, And for me, I would say... I would recommend seeing this in theaters. It is a very, very interesting movie. Um, I I can't imagine even five years ago a movie with this level of hype, with this style existing. I mean, we've just come come so far with where we're at with horror movies that... For a movie like this to be thrust center stage, like it's just kind of crazy. It's a very non-traditional horror movie. It's a very slow burn, um, I, a little bit a la The Witch, if you've seen that. Uh, you get some vibes of The Sacrament or The the Invitation, too. Kind of those kind of slow burns where you're, you're building unsettlingness as you go. Um, I just couldn't have imagined this style or this type of movie becoming one of the most pushed horror movies of the year. I mean, it's kind of wild, right, Eric? Yeah, well, I think I think the reason behind that is that audiences right now are really resonating with those slow burn, well filmed movies, like the one, several ones you just mentioned. Uh, the Witch uh, was kind of a cult, not even a cult classic, but it was widely regarded as one of the better films of twenty sixteen or twenty fifteen. When almost it came an out. instant classic, really, like, and, really uh, good reception. So people like that. I think it's kind of the uh, response to the late two thousands, early two thousand tens. we've got an intelligent audience here we can slow things down and still make a good movie or or even like the really gore heavy early early to mid 2000s where you see like kind of the torture porn era too this is a huge huge step away from that as well so this one is going to be tough for me i honestly i think i'm at the very edge of a theater recommendation leaning towards not recommending seeing it in theaters but I do recommend seeing it as a rental outside of theaters. Okay, fair enough. And I, yeah. And I was just going to give a quick score. 
uh, rating out of ten, if we're okay to do that. Okay, do I'll have to, I'll still have to think about it. <laughs> I haven't okay. like actually come up with a rating yet because it's okay. for me. It's really hard. It's yeah. Okay, I'll go first, then I'll I'll give you a little bit of time to think. Uh, I landed right about a six point six on this one, uh, so it's it's better than average, but not quite one. I don't think I would rewatch it. It is lengthy. We haven't talked about the runtime, which is another odd thing for a horror movie. It's uh, two hours and 24 minutes. We both mentioned earlier, I think right after seeing it, that it doesn't feel that long. It really does a good job of like bringing you in and you kind of get lost as you're uh, just watching. But I feel like that could be a detractor for some. But also that's probably a point to go see it in the theaters because it's a lot easier to get lost and not think of the time in a theater watch. But... 6.6, recommending renting it, but if you skip the theaters, I think you can get away with it on this one. Okay. So, this might sound a little strange, but I think my my theater recommendation is stronger than my rating recommendation, because I really think it's a, a good theater watch. Uh, this is a movie where I was literally, once the credits started rolling, I was sat down, and I was just kind of staring blankly at the screen, just like watching, because I was like processing, and my whole group had already gotten up and like... My wife nudged me to get up after like, you know, 10 seconds of the credits. Like I was really just like legitimately like processing this kind of phenomenon of a movie that has happened to me. Uh, So I would probably give it, I was thinking around a 7.3. So not that much higher, about a half point higher than what Eric said. But so normally for me, that's, that's more of like a, yeah, wait till it comes out on, you know, DVD or wait till you can stream it somewhere, you know, but for this one, for me, I think just the experience I had in the theater, I think was worth it. And I would say if uh, you're a horror fan at all, you know, if you're a horror fan at all, you're probably planning on seeing this anyways, but I would still recommend it. It was a very, very interesting, unique movie that... It's just hard to describe without spoiling, going into spoilers. I'll certainly say this is the kind of film that's going to have a a divisive audience, for for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. People are drawn to horror movies for different reasons. I think I tend to favor... I favor silly stuff more than a lot of other people. I mean, we've talked about how much I like shark movies. <laughs> I, I rarely will pass up a slasher. I can, I definitely appreciate the slow burns. Uh, Alex mentioned uh, just from A twenty four. I really liked The Witch. I, I liked. I think it comes at night more than anybody else I encountered on the internet. I still haven't seen that one. Uh, definitely worth watching. But I, so I, I tend to get. I tend to. I feel like be a little bit lower on the spectrum of. I have a phrase that I used to use for these type of movies. Whatever, but... Uh, it's... <laughs> well, no, I'm curious. You're, you're, t- you're titillating me. You're titillating our audience with this secret phrase. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll come to it later, <laughs> but it's gonna... Be, if you like it, you like it. Who gives a shit if it's, if it's something that goes against general appeal or if you're in the same box as 99% of people? Be different. Be a follower. Who doesn't matter? Just have fun. Have fun watching it. That's an important side point to make. Don't base your opinion on a movie based off the general consensus because uh, there there might be a movie that's universally praised that you just don't get. That that's absolutely fine. It might be vice versa. One thing, yeah, and and yeah, vice versa. One movie that got absolutely shit all over last year that I didn't think it was a good movie, but I didn't think it deserved 
half as much no like 90 percent of the hate it got was uh the bye-bye man which, okay i haven't seen that either i've just know that it, i've known that like, that was a huge huge it, flop it just but. became a meme like everywhere i turned it was just getting shit on incessantly i'm like okay i watched this i would maybe give it like a four or five out of ten but not a zero like i watched zeros i have watched many zeros before that's that, that's the hyperbolic kind of world we live in though because there's people who if you don't like something it's trash like if it's not good to you it's it's garbage like the people who say that this about like one of movie that we really really like i see it all the time on the internet people just trashing uh it follows and most people loved it but there's like a, like a very small minority who just like oh no it's, it was horrible it's one of the worst movies i've ever seen it's like okay that's not true. It's not like there. If you if that's one of the worst movies you've ever seen, you've seen like three movies in your life. But uh, you know, something that you don't like does not mean that it's like terrible. That you can kind of have a there's a there's a range. There's a you know there's a a very broad spectrum of of badness to goodness. It doesn't have to be all or nothing with every single movie. I agree completely. But also, I will one hundred percent admit that I fall victim to that mindset quite often. <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> sorry uh, I think the worst thing is with that is when you're arguing with somebody about a movie and you oh, kind of yeah. are forced into a, a, a pigeonholed area where you're defending or, or going against something and then you really are kind of embracing the really strong mentality of it's either great or terrible because if you're arguing you're not arguing like oh this was a 4 out of 10 versus a 6 out of 10 nobody's going to argue that it's, it's always going to be the extreme I've gotten in such a bad habit of getting into these arguments that like five minutes into it i'm like wait what what am i even arguing and like i I go back to the original argument and it was like i took like the smallest offense to something somebody said i'm like looking up all these statistics and like (laughs) trying to back up a point that i genuinely don't care that much about and i take a step back and i'm just like okay either i keep going all in which is what i usually do or i uh i just ghost it so yeah and getting okay getting back to the topic on hand so we were going to jump in that's a one theater recommendation one quasi theater recommendation one you can kind of wait for it uh, from eric but so midsummer 2019 we're going to go ahead spoiler heavy with this follow-up discussion um some things i just absolutely loved about this movie i talked about the cinematography um one of the sequences early on that was so unsettling to me so not only do you have a murder suicide by um, Danny, who's our main character, played by Florence Pugh, um, her family, her sister, who is bipolar, had constructed this elaborate means to kill herself and her parents by funneling uh, funneling carbon monoxide from a car into their house. And the way she killed herself specifically, she had kind of like duct taped a huge, I don't know, probably like a four or five inch diameter hose to her mouth. So she's just getting a direct feed of carbon monoxide and then fed a hose into her parents' room. That in the they had like this slow tracking shot with firemen coming through the house where initially you see just the car with the exhaust like covered up in the garage. You're like, oh, she she was in the she was in the car, but no, they go through the house slowly tracking through the house. You see the hose winding up the stairs and into the room. Then the slow reveal, boom, girl with the hose just stuffed in her mouth, taped around the edges. That was so creepy to me. Absolutely, just ooh, chill. Absolutely chill to the bone. Yeah, that uh, certainly set the tone for what was going to become of this movie. Uh, I mean, right away, we're presented with the idea of, uh, okay, is our we get the hysterical narrator and Danny, and she's looking for support from her boyfriend, and she doesn't really get it. And she's trying to get a hold of her sister, trying to get a hold of her parents. It seems like she's kind of isolated in the world. And then 
Uh, lo and behold, she literally becomes isolated in the world by losing both her parents and her sister in the same night. Uh, clearly doesn't have uh, the most supportive boyfriend. No. <laughs> doesn't necessarily have the network she needs in order to be successful. And uh, they, they do a really good job, I think, of building up Danny's character. Um, it's almost like in the sense that like a final girl gets uh, built up in those like early slasher movies or even just like uh, movies like You're Next or um, what was the other one I was thinking of? Uh, the Descent, where like you get this super damaged character uh, who seemingly is like a fawn throughout the start of the movie, and then kind of you can either build up or down from that. And uh, kind of this movie keeps you guessing on how far down is she going to go, or is there going to be a rise up? Well, I feel like this movie is kind of straight down until <laughs> almost the very end, and then it's like up again. Um, I think. Something that's interesting for me was the, the the relationship between Danny and Christian. I, I think a huge message of this movie, almost like the entire movie, I think it could just be like what the main message Ari Aster was going for is just like what it really is like to be in an abusive relationship. Like maybe there's not physical abuse. Maybe there's not like kind of what the traditional old school, like yelling, screaming all the time. But this is just consistent manipulation consistent like kind of emotional abuse where there's there's gaslighting there's all these types of things where christian is just not a supportive partner he's selfish he really doesn't care about kind of the problems that danny's going for and i think towards the end uh, into the discussion i'll come back to this because i think it's really emblematic of what this movie represents is just that how terrifying and how isolating that kind of relationship can feel and, and how Danny then is going through this and then now is going through the terror of going to the Sweden where she's experiencing this extra isolation and then this extra kind of craziness that happens with the Swedish uh, Swedish cult here yeah and we're we were made readily aware of that from an early point where we've got these two conversations that go back and forth one is danny speaking on the phone with her friend talking about oh i always bring all my baggage to christian he never talks to me about his emotional issues and uh then you've got it cut to christian in the bar with his friends and they're like oh why are you what are you getting out of this relationship you've been trying to get out of it for a year and so as a viewer, we ask ourselves, why is Christian in this relationship? And we, we can see that Danny seems like a, I mean, albeit she's got some emotional distress, but she seems like a pretty nice girl. And then you cut to Christian, it's like every interaction with her, he's just manipulating her. And it seems like he's caught in that, I'm just going to be in this relationship no matter how I make this other person feel, because I guess I get sex out of it occasionally. Yeah, like there's a classic, um, there's a point where he doesn't tell her initially that they're going to go to or that he's going to Sweden and it's like two weeks away and she's like she's being really reasonable she's like it just like it feels weird like oh I was in this conversation with your friends and I had no idea and then he essentially like manipulates it to where she apologizes and because she did something wrong like and then she's like oh please can we just talk about it I just really want to talk about it and she's apologizing it's like woof like that that is like just a classic classic sign of, of kind of narcissism and then in kind of manipulation that you'd see in an abusive emotionally abusive relationship yes and uh so moving on from that we've kind of built up this uh this dilemma we've got with danny because i mean this movie really is based upon danny you know, the uh her her journey through life and what she's currently dealing with and taking this uh massive trip over to sweden now that they're going to be there for about a full month and uh, there's always, she kept on having the debate, am I ready? Am I ready? 
and I guess you couldn't really be ready for what she was going to be stepping into. But uh, one thing I really liked about this movie, uh, pretty early on, it plays on the use of hallucinogenic drugs. And uh, it's, it's weird because it, not only did we see the characters themselves partaking in hallucinogenic drugs, but the way the film is shot and the cinematography almost make it feel like you're on hallucinogenic drugs. It does make drugs. it, yeah. It puts you in the perspective of someone who's tripping, which so is, is I, interesting. I saw somebody on the internet just describe this movie as one bad trip for the like the audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a sequence early on where um, they all take some mushrooms when they arrive in Sweden, and uh, uh, you can see like Danny looks down and she has like grass growing through her foot, like it's like coming out of the ground, which was a really creepy shot. But it's also kind of I think like emblematic of the tripping and kind of being the hallucinogenic thing. Uh, I'd like to add real quick: there's a lot of dark comedy in this too. Uh, you get a lot of random comedic elements, especially Will Poulter's character, who's kind of playing like the stereotypical. I don't even know what to say. Like I was. Just kind of like goofball jerk. Like, you know, you kind of know the type, but he kind of is not really respectful of the traditions. And he just like likes to say things that come to his mind immediately. So. He's a Chad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, uh, he, yeah. I'm just like stuttering because we actually have a friend named Chad. So it's not awkward. Oh, yeah, but it's, it's the meme Chad. Yeah, I know what you were going for. Um, yeah, so then we're, we're in Sweden now. And there's this, these all these weird rituals happening it's a really strange kind of traditional religious commune type thing. And at first it's kind of like, Oh, we're experiencing this new thing. But as things go on, it gets creepier and creepier. We have this ceremony where the old man and the old woman, there's this kind of really slow build where they go to the dinner table. Everyone kind of follows them and then they, uh, you know, eat, they cheers, they eat, they, they get up, they walk away. And then everyone's surrounding down in this cliff and you have the sequence. If you've seen the movie, obviously, if you're listening to the spoilers, where the old woman just jumps off, crushes her face on a rock, probably a hundred foot fall. Uh, one of the more graphic. I was gonna say, crushes her face on a rock is not doing that scene justice. She, it, it looks like somebody dropped a bowl of spaghetti like that, like like a nice cheese crust on the top, maybe like so it's <laughs> pretty soft. Uh, it looks like somebody dropped that like from like a ten foot drop. And that was just what was left on the ground. Yeah, so it was a very brutally, very aggressively graphic scene. And then immediately after, as our main characters are witnessing this and they're freaking out, um, the old man jumps and he either forgets that he's supposed to turn over or he decides to kind of go alternative route and just does a pencil dive and literally just shatters seemingly every bone below his knee. Well, when I say every bone, I mean he makes new bones because they're just splintering every which way. And he's like screaming and moaning. And then they finish the job with some more face smashes with the big hammer. Yeah, I'm, I'm not the kind of person who sh- shies away from that kind of stuff. I think I've only had to turn away twice during a horror movie. Um, this made me dry heave. It really did. Yeah, was, just the idea. Rough. He didn't even bend his knees. They were locked. What are you, what are you doing, man? Yeah. And then, of course, he lives, so they bring out this wooden, big wooden mallet. It's because, like they're about to play the carnival game to ring the bell. Yeah, and I think I think they saw how nice the woman's face looked. So they're like, you know what? We're going to do double up on that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
All right, so a little bit after we have one of my favorite sequences of the movie was where Danny. So Danny's been take, borrowing sleeping pills, and I think maybe one of the effects was kind of sh- rushing imagination during the night. But she she dreams that she wakes up and sees that all the boys of her group have st- gotten into a car and are driving away without her, and they're kind of like almost mocking her with their expressions. And then as she's like yelling at them uh, exhaust smoke starts to come out of her mouth like from the car and that was so creepy like just kind of emblematic of all her deepest darkest fears and insecurities it was being abandoned but also kind of the fate of her sister and family which i thought that was a super creepy but super well done sequence so as this movie goes on there was something that i kind of realized and i i can't tell if it was i think it was intentional um that it basically, what happened is that basically the entire supporting cast around Danny is super unlikable, or at least uh, oh yeah, you don't have a good reason to root for them, and that makes all of the crazy stuff that unfolds not that difficult to accept mm-hmm. for the viewer. Like I didn't find myself caring so much about the bad things that were happening to the people who I deemed weren't that uh good of people so i think that was intentional because i think they wanted to focus what they wanted you to have your focus on danny and her journey and realize that as little as you feel towards these people that is how danny's kind of starting sorting to feel okay i like that it's interesting um which is interesting so it makes the long movie work because you're never strung up by like these difficult things that are happening to these people because you really don't care about it yeah i I mean there definitely is something to be said that all of our main characters i think definitely are unlikable in some respect and they all get a little bit of screen time to show exactly why they're i wouldn't say irredeemable but there's something that really is a huge flaw for them we have christian as the abusive boyfriend who is really just not a good person we have um Will Poulter, who is just kind of consistently a, a jerk and really self-centered. Um, we have Josh. I keep on calling him Cheaty because he's Cheaty <laughs> in the good place. Um, he he goes against like the elders' wishes and takes pictures of this really sacred book. Um, and then I guess the, the the two friends from London who they didn't know are probably the most pure who still have suffer kind of a really rough fate. But yeah, there's a lot of really questionable, irredeemable factors from these main characters that make them. I'm not going to say justified, but the, the, you kind of understand, like, they're much less pure, I guess, than our than our future May Queen, than our future uh, future Florence Pugh, Danny. Yes. And um, this is, so I, there was a long time where I had a fascination with cult movies. You've already brought up a couple, uh, like The Sacrament, obviously this one, and then, um, like, movies like Red State. Invitation. Mm-hmm. Movies like Invitation. And... The thing I like about them so much is that it's basically a very unassuming, like every individual is like very unassuming. You don't think of them as a threat whatsoever. But when you have so many like-minded people in such a small area that only know one thing, that's where it becomes quite terrifying. Oh yeah, absolutely. And And we certainly see this as it goes on because as the movie goes on and people start to disappear and things start to go off the rails and more drugs are consumed the questions stopped getting asked 
and you're more just along for a ride whether you like it or not yeah yeah i definitely agree with that um you get and one thing with this movie that was interesting was the the disappearance of kind of these main characters was handled so smoothly by the cult that like really the alarm bells weren't ringing for the remaining main characters until well, a lot of it was like self-centeredness it was like oh that sounds like him or oh i bet that would happen like i, I wouldn't be surprised if he this guy stole this and ran off like, it, like there was like a lot of self-centeredness that was really dooming them as as being alarm bells they're just like oh yeah yeah that makes sense and and even like small hints like i think at one point uh someone's like oh yeah i saw her practicing for the sprint olympics like this girl trying to run away and but nobody else came back to that thought so uh you kind of get this really disassociated group think where everyone's kind of thinking for themselves instead of thinking of the good of the group and it's it kind of i don't know i think that also plays into the isolation that danny feels and kind of her feeling you know just really alone in, in her relationship which i really do think is kind of the <laughs> Sorry, there was a really eerie squeaking as I said that. I think uh, my wife was turning the hose on outside. Uh, it's really, I think this isolation, this aloneness, this fractured relationship is such a huge pivotal part of the movie that I think that was really a good, a big play on that. Yeah, and I, uh, I think, I don't know, I don't know how we should attempt to break down the last half hour, but one thing I think we can focus on was how good of a job they did in handling. Uh, Danny's transition to the uh, May Queen and what it meant for her as a person. Uh, she was just this ter- terrified, basically in her mind, little girl who lost her parents and her sister, who was alone in this country with a boyfriend who resented her, didn't want her even to be on the trip. Uh, her friends that were, the people she trusted in the friend group have gone missing. And at this point, she she doesn't know what to do. And she rises up almost kind of like a phoenix from the ashes, becomes May Queen, becomes self-independent. And uh, it's kind of a cool journey to see her take that. Have her be the strong character that we've seen from her traits, but not seen from her actions. Uh, So that disposition and that the way they handled it, even like the competition to become May Queen, it was so lighthearted, yet... I don't, they did, did at the same time you have the other girls getting knocked over the other girls throwing up from exhaustion lighthearted at its core but at the same time it was this grueling really physically difficult uh, kind of transition to make yeah I and I, I don't know if we should really go for the I, I just I've got a little bit more to add okay. before we jump to the you're kind of thinking jumping to the other movie soon sure well, okay, so I have, a, I have a little bit more to add. Sorry, we're, we're Eric's like silently gesturing and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, I think another thing here, so after it becomes May Queen and the sequence where she then kind of goes away from the group because she hears the sounds coming from the room where Christian is then... We haven't even talked about the subplot of Christian being uh, manipulated... Well, not manipulated, but like being love potioned by this redhead girl. Um, she, she peeks into the room where he's making love to this, this girl and to me, which I saw this uh, comment about this online, and it resonated really strongly with me. I think it's really accurate. Is that uh, her peeking through the door and seeing that was like almost like a abuse victim finally seeing their partner for what they are, like getting an outside perspective, like what everybody else sees that no, she couldn't actually see. Is like this is really what this person is, and that was her finally getting kind of the courage and understanding, like this is who I'm with, 
and it's wrong. Like everyone else knows it, but I just don't. That's actually a good point. And to even go further on that, and when as she's exiting the room and she's just like wailing, all of the girls wail along with her. They're validating her feelings and saying, "I you hurt, and therefore I hurt with you." Yeah, I would agree with that because that's that was a really brutal scene too because can you imagine she's at her lowest of the low her her family has has died recently her she's just seen her boyfriend in this weird ritual of cheating on her she is at the she has no support system all her friends are gone and then she is just being crowded by this group of women copying her screams of anguish her screams of pain uh, she at this point is just completely broken down and then like you said like as a phoenix she rises above it She's still kind of tripping. I think it'd be interesting to see what she did after she came down from the trip she's on. But then she really, I think, with the most empowering part of the movie, I think sticks with she understands what Christian is. Maybe it was a little bit of mercy, but decides that, no, she's above it. She's not going to try to save him and then just commits to, all right, you're going into the burn. You're going into the barn. You're going to burn. Yes. And we just to paint the picture here a little bit, because Alex had a top tier quote during the movie that he said to me, uh, Christian, as he's getting set into this, what would be a basically a pyre in which he would be burned alive. He gets placed into a bear that's suit that's been skinned and de-intestined and de-meated. I don't know what. It's really just the skin at this point. It's, it's just skin. the skin. It's using the skin. So you see this sad little teddy bear in the center of the room, and uh, as the fire starts to creep up around his legs and all around the sides, Alex leans over to me, taps me on the shoulder, and says, this is what Chicago Bears fans will be like after this season. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only the pompous attitude that a disgruntled Lions fan could have. Um, yeah, so this is just, for me, just such an interesting movie, which really, for me, focused on kind of abuse and, and, and surviving or getting past this kind of really a huge emotional distress and emotional strain that's really thrust upon you. And I think very compelling. I think Florence Pugh was phenomenal. I think she acted so well and uh, just really an interesting, very unique kind of movie. Yes, I agree. And as we're talking about it more, I think I can maybe up mine my recommendation to be a theater watch. I mean, I, I I feel like it, I would be a bad horror movie podcast host if I didn't recommend you guys to see movies that are probably going to end up in a lot of people's top tens. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So with all that said, I think we're about ready to jump into our movie number two. So before we do that, take it with this transition.
And for our second movie, we have watched a movie called The Perfection. And that was by Richard Shepard. This is another 2019 movie. Uh, it's got a interesting makeup of cast starring Allison Williams as Charlotte, Logan Browning as Lizzie, Steven Weber as Anton, and that's kind of all of the characters we really need to talk about. Yeah, and a quick quick uh, retrospective on Richard Shepard. Uh, only really horror thing he's done, he did one episode of Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone, the new Twilight Zone, and then he's most known for doing a bunch of episodes of Girls, where he would have collaborated with Allison Williams. Yes. Bad show, don't recommend it. <laughs> and so starting really quickly with, uh, with Steven Weber... I knew I recognized him from something, and so I couldn't place it, so I had to go to his IMDb, and it was uh, from several episodes of 13 Reasons Why he plays the school principal. But you, my friend, should have recognized him as playing a character in a Stephen King adaptation in the late 90s TV miniseries. Was he in The Stand? He was in The Shining. The Shining. Oh, playing, the, yeah. Okay, playing, playing John yeah, playing Torrance. Playing Jack Torrance. Ah, oh, I do picture that now. Okay. Not a great adaptation, but... At this point, and then uh, going back to the cast, Allison Williams is so weird to me. So, cause, so I picture her not only from her terrifying character in Get Out, but then going back to her character in Series of Unfortunate Events... And then going to her getting starfished in girls. Like, it's just, it's such a weird range of emotions I have when I see her. Like, which Allison Williams are we going to get? Which, if you're a movie star, that's exactly the kind of persona you want to have. So kudos to you, Allison Williams. For me, after, I think, having most recently seen her in Girl, or not in Girl, sorry, and uh, Get Out, and then in this, she plays the, uh, the very almost conniving like distrustful kind of character so well like even in this movie like seemingly her intentions are fine at the most parts in the early go but she just seems like you can't you you don't you don't think to trust her you like think to distrust her you think like she's up to something and i think it's just because she kind of really plays that shifty I don't know, something kind of is going on in the background character. She just plays out so well. Like, the same kind of, same kind of thing she didn't get out. She's got that, like, sly smile. It's like resting smile face, almost. Yeah. It's like she's just gone to her happy place where she's eating uh, Fruit Loops out of one container and milk out of a, a, another glass with a straw. Yeah. Um, which is it's good for horror movies. <laughs> Definitely good for horror movies. It's weird seeing her in kids' shows like a series of unfortunate events after that. But she was great in it, though. She was. She Shout out series of unfortunate events. Uh, okay, so quick IMD says, IMD synopsis. When troubled musical prodigy Charlotte, Allison Williams, seeks out Elizabeth, Logan Browning, the new star pupil of her former school, the encounter sends both musicians down a sinister path with shocking consequences. Yeah, so this movie is all about... Um, Kind of this really prestigious school for celloing, I believe, is, is a cello, right? I think it's a musical school, but the main focus of this story revolves around, I think, the headmaster, Anton, who specifies in cello. But I think it does encompass more than just that for the performing arts. Yeah, so Allison Williams is, is kind of like a, a really past star. She kind of quit the school to go take care of her sick, dying mother. And then 
um, the very beginning of the movie is then her kind of rekindling here. So I think we'll do a very brief spoiler free as kind of that's what we've done so far. Well, and, I, if I've got, I've got a quick suggestion here. This was the kind of movie that it's fun to, as it's going, try to guess where it's going. I think we talked about this while we were watching it together and we tried to, like, I think at one point we were maybe a half hour, 45 minutes, and we just looked at each other. We have no idea where this is going to go. <laughs> so we're going to actually keep this one spoiler free, especially because we feel like neither of us saw anything about it before we watched it. No, for so sure So we're going to give you guys at home listening the opportunity uh, if you'd like to watch this movie, uh, spoiler free, we're not going to even give you the uh, option of hearing some spoilers. So. Oh, so the entire pod, you want to stay spoiler free? I want to oh, stay spoiler coffee. free. If you guys uh, like that, I mean, we're just trying it out. If you guys like that and want to watch the movie, see what you thought of it, we're still looking for comments, still looking for feedback, happy to discuss it in the next podcast as a follow-up, as a post-mortem. So, uh we're going to try that out for this one and see how it goes. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm into it. So, yeah, like like I said, um, a lot of this movie is the kind of strong dynamic between uh, Charlotte and Lizzie. You have these kind of both independent, strong characters who are interacting, and you get some kind of discontent sowed as some things start to go awry. Uh, you get, like I said earlier, Allison Williams kind of playing the girl you can't really trust. You don't you don't know if you can trust Um some things aren't always that meet the eye. You can't really, you don't really know what to, you know, you're believing one thing at one moment and then five minutes later you're like, oh no, she definitely did this. Or like, you know, you're kind of going back and forth. You're wishy-washy. You don't really exactly know uh, how to feel about it. Did you, you I mean, you kind of got that too, Eric, as you were saying. Like, oh yeah. It, it really so, kind of fluctuated. I think, I think overall from our two main stars, this was a very well acted movie. I mm-hmm. thought they both did a fantastic job within their respective roles. I had not heard of Logan Browning before. I don't, didn't recognize anything else she'd been in, really. Her big thing is she was a star of uh, Dear White People. Uh, She's okay. the main character in that. Yeah, so well, she acted, I think she did an excellent job in this movie. Because this movie boils down to that awkward relationship between a former star and the current protege. Uh, they've both been through the ringer and what this program offers. One saw the limelight but had to back off, and one's in the current limelight. So you've got that resentment. You've got that... Also, respect from the younger to the older, and it's kind of teetering on that line of is this, can these people be truly be friends, or is that dynamic going to uh, continually cause problems? Yeah, because like without knowing much about it, I kind of assumed the perfection. It's about this like really intense musical ability. I kind of assumed this is going to be a movie about of jealousy of, of the old guard not respecting kind of the new talent coming up i thought this was going to be allison williams just rebelling against this this new younger kind of really talented musician and her just immediately fighting her from the get-go uh and we get a lot more layers in that we get a much more kind of developed nuanced story and uh definitely with some kind of twists and turns as you go but it, it definitely was more than i was expecting i wasn't expect, expecting kind of the level of I don't know, the level of depth, I guess, that we got. Yeah, this movie, uh, I think we both at one point compared it uh, kind of to a musical version of Black Swan with Natalie Portman and Mila mm-hmm. Kunis. Uh, not quite the same, but having, having those layers of, okay, this you have to be incredibly studious to be the ballerina. It takes an incredible discipline. And then you've got these two rival characters who, are they alike? Are they different? Are they the same? It's It's... It's a it's an age old question of once you get to that level, is it about respect for your peers or is it always about stepping on their head to get ahead? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, I feel like not too, too much. I can really say, uh, spoiler free. I, I think for me, this wasn't this wasn't the best movie I've ever seen, but I definitely was an enjoyable watch. I, this was a Netflix-produced movie. Uh, I think there's not too many Netflix-produced horror movies that I would necessarily recommend. There's a few, for sure. I like Hush off the top of my head. Um, I believe Oculus, also by Mike Flanagan, but Hush and uh, Oculus. Oculus may or may not, I don't remember. Babysitter. <laughs> I, I, I kind of like the babysitter. Um, but this is one I would recommend, honestly. Uh, so this isn't like a, oh, should you see it in theaters or not? Because it's always going to be on Netflix. So if you have Netflix and you're looking for a horror movie, this you, you could do worse than this. I think this is an enjoyable watch. Um, not the best thing you could find on Netflix for horror, but definitely something I would recommend. And I'd say I'd give it probably like a, like a 6.0. And I'm going to disagree slightly. I think this is one of the better options you'll have on Netflix. And I'm going to be bold and say that this is actually going to end up on some people's top 10 of the year lists. Okay. I think this is one of those underrated, under-the-radar movies that um, resonates with people for simple reasons like being well-acted and having an interesting story. And I interestingly enough rate this slightly higher than my rating for midsummer and i'm going to give it a 7.1 okay interesting i respect the rating difference i mean i I did enjoy it so maybe 6.0 is low i already said though i'll stand by it but yeah so i would recommend watching this like i said you could do a lot worse on netflix i mean i'd have to look at a list there's there's for sure stuff i would recommend above it but this is a really nice one Uh, a new one too for netflix that i would say is uh, definitely worth checking out uh, kind of keep you guessing as we've said and uh, yeah it was a pretty fun ride I definitely agree and speaking of fun rides we've got a couple movies coming out here in the next couple weeks we've got Crawl which is 100% up my alley coming I thought out that was July already 12th. out that one's being uh, that one's being just advertised out the gosh darn everything they did the same thing with the mag and the mag was a super hit so this is, seems way lower budget though like i'm surprised by the level it's like a guerrilla marketing campaign almost <laughs> but it's like it's penetrating everything if you haven't seen a trailer for the crawl or sorry for a crawl i don't know like what you're using for internet or what you're doing <laughs> with your life i mean i've seen it i've seen a trailer probably 10 times yeah. Well, yeah, I have avoided the trailers just because I know I'm going to... But like, you've seen like the start sure, of a trailer sure, or something. Sure. Yeah. The poster looks great. The poster looks like every dream I had when I was 12 except for a place the crocodile for a shark. Yeah, um, it's seemingly like about a flooded area that gets infested, inf- infested with enormous crocodiles. So. so that is actually coming out end of this week, July 12th. Uh, scary stories to tell in the dark August 9th just about a month away at this point that one uh, we've talked about in our preview episode and, and I started think, reading yeah, I started reading there's actually some that I recognize some of the stories that we either heard secondhand but yeah it's that one we're super excited about we did the Andre Overdahl episode uh, probably a couple two months ago maybe the director from Norway yes um so we really like him as a director based off what he's done with horror so that's going to be a really exciting one i'm really curious what what they're going to do because the so eric just as we're talking about this so the scary stories to tell in the dark is almost like a instructions for how to tell stories to your friends like it'll say like in quotation marks yell this part and then like to like freak them out or like grab someone next to you and so like it really interjects these things and it's really also really well known for its artwork in the book so i'm really excited with how he brings this to life yeah this one has looked like it's going to be a lot of fun and for all the same reasons minus the reading part (laughs) i am excited as well 
Uh, next, we've got 47 meters down uncaged. Have to bring that up every chance I get. That comes out August 16th. Uh, that will be a theater run for me. Very few others, probably, I reckon. Uh, no, reckon. No, I don't know. Uh, and last two are Ready or Not, August 21st, and our together most anticipated film of the year. Drum roll, please. It Chapter 2, September 6th, weekend. Let's go. Yeah, this is one I'm super excited for. We've talked a lot in the past about not only this movie and that, we're, that we really like this book for It, but for, for sure for me, for Alex, uh, I'm absolutely a huge Stephen King fan. And It is... <laughs> I must reiterate, uh, but huge Stephen King fan. Uh, it is one of my favorite Stephen King books. It's one of his magnum opuses. He's probably got a couple, but uh, definitely one of his really kind of most recognizable, most well-known stories. And they did a, we both think they did a great job with part one. We love the cast for part two. I have seen the trailer. I know I say I don't watch trailers, but... I've kind of been forced to it either in movie theaters or somewhere else. And I actually love the trailer that I've seen for part two where they throw you into uh, Mrs. Hirsch's uh, house where it's Beverly kind of meeting this old woman who lived where she used to live. Love that trailer. And I am excited. I'm super excited. And it's going to be probably the most excited I've been at a movie since it chapter one, honestly. Yeah, likewise. This is, uh, it's going to be a fun, it's going to be a fun summer. I mean, it's already been a uh, good start to the year for horror. I've seen some movies that we liked that we weren't even on our radar, seen some movies that we previewed that we knew about and that we've enjoyed, so got to finish up that year strong. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, as this year continues to finish strong, we will be here talking about movies, hopefully giving you more ratings, recommendations, and uh, what was it? I missed reviews. <laughs> more reviews, ratings, and recommendations on recent movies, but also kind of visiting the past. Blasts from the past are always fun. Uh, so anything we kind of are bringing at you guys, anything that sounds good, uh, we will always be here because this is, once again, Jumping Scared. Thanks for tuning in to the Jumping Scared podcast. Have any questions, comments, just want to share your horror movie opinions with us? Feel free to reach us at Jumping Scared Podcast on Twitter or by email, jumpingscared at gmail.com. See you next episode.